This is the Gentleman Podcast brought to you by Shane and Josh. Now, before we begin, have another glass of water. Yesterday I walked out of the joint after losing four years of my life and your cold decking team beat cover boys. Because the house always wins. You play long enough, you never change the stakes, the house takes you. Unless when that perfect hand comes along, you bet big and then you take the house. Been practicing this speech, haven't you? A little bit. Did I rush it? Felt like I rushed it. No, it's good. I liked it. Team beat things harsh. I wonder what Ruben will say. That was Brad Pitt and George Clooney in Ocean's Eleven 2001. Um, I think that it's a fun and interesting way to kind of bring you all into tonight's topic. Uh, and that is the topic of setting goals, the process in which uh, it, it takes to achieve those goals, setting attainable goals, uh, and holding yourself accountable. Um, you know, and number one, I think, first and foremost, by February 1st, our next show, uh, we're going to teach you how to rob a casino. Well, that was a good moment to know that in February, apparently, I have to teach you guys how to steal from a Vegas casino. So thanks for that heads up, Shane. Now I know that's on our to-do list. No pressure. No pressure. None at all. No, None We just, we just need all. nine more people. You think we need nine more? You think we need nine more? um you know shane and i were talking and and certainly we're trying to make things that aren't super super timely in the way that you know they're tethered to a a space and time and place but we are recording this on the 6th of january and uh if you're looking at the news at all today it's a it's a very tumultuous time in america there's there's a lot going on uh a lot of chaos there's a lot of it's a really scary time. Whatever side you are in the political spectrum, it's just there's a lot of uncertainty. And you might be saying, well, why are we bringing this up? And the reason I wanted to mention that is because tonight what we really want to talk about are setting goals, holding yourself accountable, like I said, and how to achieve those things. And I think that both Shane and I probably, especially realizing that we have full-time jobs and, and, you know, we're out there, we're busy people. And then to have the psychic and emotional stuff that's going on today in the background, it's a very draining day. And I think it would both of us would have completely understood if the other one had said, I just don't think I can record. But we had set a goal and I can't speak for him, but I feel better that I'm doing this tonight. I feel better that in the in the face of all the madness that's in my day-to-day life and in the world right now, that I've carved out at 8 o'clock on a, on a Wednesday night on the 6th to say, okay, Shane, we're going to record tonight so that we have enough time to go over it, edit it, make sure it sounds good, 
before we drop it out to you guys on the 15th. I think you said it about as perfectly as somebody could say it. Um, it is not easy right now. Um, we had the news on all day at work, um, you know, scrolling through social media and seeing all of the different views and all the different videos and, uh, of the things that were happening today on Wednesday the 6th in our country. Um, it It's tough. Um, it's emotionally draining. And again, just as Josh mentioned, no matter what side you are on, on things and how you view the events that have occurred today, it's. I think it's easy to get caught up in that and and to come home and just want to sit because it's hard to digest those things. Uh, however, Josh and I, again, we 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 carved this time out tonight at at 8 p.m. to sit down and, in part, this was what worked for us in our our crazy and hectic week um, and weeks. And in part, we wanted to make sure we had enough time to to go. Ahead ahead and, and listen to this and make sure that the product that we do have coming out when you're listening to this on January 15th or thereabouts, that it was something we believed in. And part of that process is making sure that we made sense and made good on our goals with one another. And so here we are in the microphone together through through Skype in these COVID times, getting ready to talk to all of you about goals and self-accountability. That's exactly right. And uh, not certainly not mandatory listening, for lack of a better description. <laughs> but uh, for those who have already kind of checked in on the on our previous uh, audio drop and listened to our last episode, you know that we had a lot of challenges. And uh, I wouldn't say that was a full episode. It was more just kind of a, a mea culpa to say, we're sorry we're not giving you what we wanted to give you, which is what we're going to be talking about tonight. Uh, and that was a real addressment of challenges we had in regards to the the product we're trying to give you. And it was a real description of what we're trying to do. But I think it really is the perfect setup to what we wanted to talk about tonight. And it really encapsulates, uh, I like to think that, that I'm not the only one. Hopefully you've had this happen to you. Well, hopefully you can relate. I don't want to say you've had to have it until you, but hopefully you can relate to what I'm about to say, which is, you know, you start off with the best of intentions and you have a goal or a dream or whatever you want that to be, whether that's a job uh, expectation, something you want to achieve there, a relationship thing, uh, personal creativity, whatever that is. You set up an idea and you shoot for it. And there's all the little things that go along all along the way and you don't factor for those. And then you wind up falling a little shy and it's that much harder to kind of get back up and then try to really achieve what you're trying to do. Uh, and I know that we are now, we've started a new year and I feel like this is a time when a lot of people, I know myself, uh, I know Shane as well. It's your natural thing to just say, okay, it's the new year. I want to set, you know, goals. But I think a lot of people, there's a reason that that joke exists about, you know, uh, people go to the gym in January and then February and then by March and April, they're done because they don't set up realistic expectations of what they can achieve. And we should, in my opinion, we should be trying to set up little goals all throughout the year. It shouldn't just be it's January one. And that's when I'm going to make all the goals and plans that I want to try to achieve for myself personally, professionally, whatever for the whole year. Just that should be all along the way. Cause again, if you break this down, the little tiny parts it's a lot easier to handle. Exactly. So I had a friend of mine 
years back. Um, it was one of the first times, and I'll mention this throughout these shows, I'm sure, um, that I had struggled with my weight, my physical appearance, and how how I felt. And you know, I, I remember it was right around Thanksgiving, and you know, the the topic of New Year's resolutions was coming up, and people were asking about holidays, and then New Year's, and and what were yourself and goals were you setting for yourself? And I'm mentioning to my buddy, and I'm saying, you know, I, this is the year that I'm I'm going to commit to being back to the gym. When I was younger, I, I was really consistent with it, and I felt great physically, I felt great mentally. Um, I was like, so January 1st, that, that's going to be my goal is, is to get back in the gym. And he looks at me dead in the eye and he just goes, why are you waiting? And it woke me up a little bit and it was the type of thing. And, and it was right around that time where I started a, a process that I kind of call self check-ins and I do it throughout the year. I think it's important to do it. It, it works for me. It may not always work for you. Um, but that thought of why wait? If this is something that you truly desire and something that you believe will impact your life in a positive way and you are planning to put forth the effort, why wait? You know, I'm glad you said that. There's a there's a couple things there that really resonate for me. You know, you're talking about effort. Um, and I think that it for me in, in my life, you know, I really believe this and I think that it applies to a lot of people, whether they don't you know, believe it or not, that's fine. But uh, anything you want to do is going to take energy. It takes effort and that drains. And it's a, it takes away our time. It takes away our ability to do something else we may want to be doing. And so when you boil those things down, you have to make a choice to do that. And I think this is where I wanted to go with that, that it comes to two motivating factors, which are either a love of something or a fear of something else. And, you know, that's exactly right. You know, why, why, if you really want to feel better about yourself and that's where your love is, you know, whether that's going to the gym or whatever, you will, you will carve out the time. If you're afraid of the failure of that, you will find a way to get an excuse. You will find a way to, uh, whatever it is, not just the weight loss thing. You will, in my observation, you will find a way to self-sabotage it or not really engage it or not give it the energy that it really needs. Um, and that's a big thing. Also, you know, I think that you you brought up this friend of yours and and I always believe, you know, when you when you're starting out and you're trying to do something, I think you want to try to find a, a teacher or a mentor or a sounding board or an ally. Uh, and this goes to that idea again of, of love and fear and all this. Like things in my experience are just so much easier when maybe you've connected with someone who's been there and can relate yeah that to me is probably hands down one of the most beneficial things that i have done um sticking on on like the gym and, and taking care of yourself physically i have almost always just as josh had found my best success when i was not just committing to the workout not just committing to, to this for myself but holding myself accountable and agreeing to hold another party accountable as well so Slim, Chris, Ian, and and Leo, you four are the, the four who I've spent the most consistent time working out with over these years, and I love you guys for it. Um, all those mornings at, or late evenings, in one of your cases, uh, that we went to the gym and we really, really were upset with one another for dragging the other person there. 
uh, I want to tell you all that I really, really appreciate you. I don't know if you'll ever stumble across these episodes, um, but you're dragging me there and you're coming with me when I was looking to drag you there is a big reason I was able to find success in those four specific periods of time. Beyond those particular instances, I do find that you can, just as Josh had mentioned, you can apply certain skills and certain check-ins and certain layers of accountability with like-minded people who maybe what their goal is, is different than yours. So say for argument's sake, I, I'm looking to, uh, I, I'm, we'll stick with the gym theme, that I'm looking to continue to go to the gym and, and to physically get healthier. And say the person that that I'm talking with and connecting with and communicating with throughout this process, their thing is they want to be a writer. And they say, you know, I need to write an hour every single day. I have got to put myself through that process. Well, there's a, a period of time that we're committing there. There's a, a period of effort within that time. I may reach out to that person and say, hey, tell me what your progress is today. What's going on? What can I help with? They may do the same thing for me. So it doesn't always have to be the exact same goal. You don't always have to have a gym buddy. You don't always have to have a diet buddy. You can have someone who is going through a process uh, of growth that their steps along the way, those intermediate points are going to kind of line up. Like I, I do think that this is probably a decent time in this show that in just a few short moments, I, I would encourage you to pause the show and think about who that person or persons may be for you because we do all have them and they may come in unlikely spots uh, you may have a work colleague that you've just always kind of looked at and really respected their drive and energy but maybe you've never had that type of conversation with them maybe now's a good time to sit there and check in ask them about their process ask them about what drives them but i do think it's a good time to sit here and, and you know pause it for a moment before you come back and listen to the rest of it and think about who those people and those mentors and those sources may be for you and Shane uh, is wonderful in that he is always open to listening to my stories, uh, which I have way, way too many. A detriment is, yeah, we both do. But a detriment is that, that Shane also just lets me ramble and babble, but God bless him. <laughs> uh, but one of the stories Shane really likes, and, and, and maybe this can relate to what we're talking about tonight, as we've mentioned earlier, uh, you know, Shane and I worked uh, at a movie theater company for many years ago. That's how we knew each other. Uh, and that's how we created not just a, a professional relationship, but then eventually became friends. And we found a lot of similarities. Different as we are, there's so many similarities. So it was a great environment. But I had left that theater company to go uh, pursue a dream. And Shane always kind of likes that story. And maybe that's something that's relative to, to what we're talking about tonight. I had gone to school uh, for writing, filmmaking, screenwriting, uh, communications, all of that kind of stuff. And the job we had at the theater was great during school. But after that, after college, uh, you know, we've said this before, there was golden handcuffs. You could take them off at any time and move on to what you'd actually try to achieve through your scholastic endeavors, you know, to really try to do what you want to do with your life. But, you know, there was security at the job. There was, you knew you had a paycheck. You knew you got enough to live, not necessarily enough to retire or get ahead, but enough to cover your expenses. And so um, it was kind of that fear and love thing. 
And, you know, although I had this passion for, for, for all these other things I wanted to do, the, honestly, the fear, uh, put you into, put me into a place of like stagnation, you know, inertia is a really powerful thing. You just kind of keep it a certain place and how that changed for me. And then the process of that change is something that maybe is relative to what we're talking about tonight. So at that point I was, uh, like 27, I think, of Salta Theater. Uh, I had come out of my my mid-20s relationship, which is kind of the relationship that I feel a lot of people have when they're in their, in their 25, 24, 25 area. And maybe you get that a little bit earlier, or maybe you even get it a little bit later. But it's kind of that relationship that we all have that, that really guts you. And... Uh, <laughs> It, it, it's like the emotional and soul enema that leaves you completely empty. Uh, not good times, but but we've all been there, by the way. So if you're feeling yes. bad or you're, yeah. If you're we'll have an bad, episode on that inevitably. I have no doubt that we will. There will probably be a discussion of that at some point. Not in February because we're going to be robbing casinos. But in any event, uh, so that's where I was emotionally in my life. And uh, and as I said, I wasn't really fulfilled creatively or passionately or passionately uh, in my work day. And I knew this and I, and I knew something was just not flying for me. And what happened, I was extremely privileged. You know, I have a lot of I have a lot of friends who live in lots of different places. And I was definitely in a rut. And a buddy of mine lives in China. And, you know, he'd always said this thing about, like, oh, you should come visit me. You can stay in my apartment. Like, you know, you see the country, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, I, I, like I said, not in the greatest of places of where I wanted to be in my life. And I know this one night I went to sleep. And I woke up and I had just the most vivid recollection of my dream, which was I, I dreamed of the Terracotta Stone Warriors. If you know what these are, then great. And if you don't, uh, they're usually you see them at, like, P.F. Chang's here in America. So those, those uh, Chinese statues, warrior-looking guys, they're in Xi'an. And, and as I said, I woke up and uh, I knew that I had to go to China. Like in my bones, I knew I had to do it. I don't know why. I didn't know what it meant, but it's like, I have to do this. And that touches on to something that, that can come back later and will come back later in this conversation. But Kind of like I believe that there are times where the universe or the cosmos or whatever kind of presents you with an opportunity and you have to be open to it. You have to listen and watch for those signs when they present themselves. Uh, but you also have to be willing to do them. You have to say yes when the signs appear and when you hear them and you see them, you have to say you have to you have to try to keep yourself open to take a risk and just to say yes. By the way, if you figure out how to do this all the time, please tell me, because I still can't do it all the damn time. <laughs> I don't think anyone can always do it, but I do think that it's a uh, muscle that the more often, well, you're one friend. Federico can, Federico absolutely can, and, and Big Sister Tasha can, they just say yes. Well, I, they Forrest Gump their way, and it, it God bless them. It works. They say yes, and, and things, because they have the right attitude. Exactly, and, and I do think that, the more that you keep that muscle working, I think the easier that becomes and eventually becomes your nature as it is for just two single individuals on planet Earth, Federico <laughs> and Tasha. That is it. That's it. But in any event, as I said, um, 
I had that connection. I had a buddy who'd been telling me to go. And, and so, again, recognizing the sign, seeing it, and then saying yes to the thing. Keeping in mind, number one, I'd never been out of the country. Uh, so, as I said, like, you know, I went to, uh, and I also, by the way, I'm not a huge fan of flying, but I saved up money and I wound up flying to Beijing. I, I was extremely lucky. I was able to take, I think, about two and a half weeks or so off work. Uh, and I flew there. And I had an amazing adventure. And that's actually where I met my friend to this day. I call him like my big sister. That's where I met my friend Tasha. And having that sounding board, finding a mentor, finding a teacher. This was someone that I had never met. It was a friend of my buddy who lives there. And she's from Australia. And we just happened to be at the same place at the same time. And we totally connected uh, on this absolutely platonic level, not romantic level, but just that we both kind of found ourselves in a certain place at a certain time in our lives, and we needed someone to talk to and to bounce ideas off of that weren't people that were in our normal circle. And in doing that, I, it helped to clarify for me, God, I am so unhappy working at a movie theater. Why am I still here? This is not what I went to school for. This isn't what I want to do with my life. Uh, and then helping to focus to realize, oh, it's fear. That's what it is. Then it was, well, I know I got to change that, which is the big idea. That's the big goal. That's the big dream. But we got to start smaller than that because it's it's really easy to just say, I want to go do this thing and then watch that house of cards tumble because you didn't plan it a little bit. Yeah, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with having that big goal that Josh is speaking of. To me, and I approach this probably a little differently than a lot of people do, but to me, that's the thing that I have in the back of my mind. Like, I know that there that there's this particular milestone that I want to get to, but what I get excited for are the hundreds of steps that happen in between that. Because with each one of those steps, you get the opportunity to reward yourself and to, to let that propel you to the next one and to the next one and to the next one after that. And that, to me, is those opportunities to kind of check in with yourself, that, that self-assessment, you know, where can I give a little bit more here? Am I, you know, am I taking away from another area of my life to, to fit this goal in and it's hurting me more than it's helping me? How can I reevaluate these things? And that's, that's the process of getting to that, you know, in Josh's respect, that big goal that he'll talk about, you know, shortly, get excited for the small things, you know, those are the things that are going to propel you forward those are the realistic and attainable goals they can be as small as you know in josh's case sitting down and saying i understand that these statues from john this is this is what it means and now i'm going to sit down and figure out a plan as to to why i need to listen to that and i'm also really glad you brought that stuff up too shane because that's going to plot part in, or that's going to be a factor into this story and, in, and into the process that we're talking about, uh, in my experience, which is all those little goals that you want to set for yourself, the tiny ones, the tiny steps to get you onto the journey, right, the, that, that eventually get you where you want to go, they're all, you're, you're going to fail along those ways. You're going to have little tiny failures, and that's okay, and it's really frustrating, um, but it's also an opportunity to, to learn to refocus, like Shane's talking about, to do the check-in, to make sure you're on the path of what you're trying to do 
or maybe that path has changed. Maybe maybe you were going one direction, sure, and now you're saying, wait, I think I think I actually wanna to move over here. You know that thing of sometimes what you know you don't get what you want, but you get what you need. Yeah, I I think that's exactly right. You know, I think there are a lot of people that get married to the big goal. You know, and they say that no matter what it is that I'm doing, it needs to lead to this. And I think that if you're setting those small goals along the way and you're having those conversations and you're reassessing after those minor failures or big failures, you're reassessing after those minor successes or large successes, you may, just as Josh mentions, you're not always going to get what you want, but you find out that you get what you need. Great philosopher Mick Jagger once said this. For me, it's all those opportunities that you start to really learn yourself and what's important for you. And while that big goal may have been X, maybe it was leading to Y all along. And that's about listening to the things that that are presenting themselves to you and and the process that you're putting yourself through. That's absolutely right. So, you know, at this point, like I said, I've come back to America from my my two-week adventure, and I know I'm going to make a big life change. I think that as we talk about planning is for me, I'm a planner. That's who I am, right? Structure and planning is good. Uh, As I said earlier, there's definitely a place and time where I will cut free and you just do what you got to do. But what I can tell you is any which way you look at things, action is, is going to be, in my experience, more productive than just the dreaming of the thing. And I, in my experience, it is really easy to talk the energy out of action, uh, to talk about all the things you want to do or all you want to achieve to do this. Now, the reason I say this is this. So I, you know, and I also want to just preface the story really quickly, ultimately to where we will end. Please know that this doesn't really happen in the real world. Uh, <laughs> that's an important thing. I, I, again, you know, I. It's part of the reason I enjoy the stories so much. Yeah. I completely can acknowledge that this just is, this is insanity that this story will go where it ultimately does, because it's one of those things where, just so you know, like literally thousands and thousands of scripts in Hollywood get commissioned like every year. And like such a small fraction of those go anywhere or become movies or anything like that. So just the idea that that anything you could create in California could that you could get paid for. That's just a miracle. But that's a little, you know, cart before the horse. We'll get there. We'll get there. So, like I said, I knew that I wanted to no longer be working at a job I hated. I knew I wanted to, to move, and I knew that I wanted to be doing something that I went to school for. And that was, I love my passions, film, uh, and, I, and I, you know, I really wanted to be a screenwriter. And it's really easy to say, I'm going to go be a screenwriter. I know a lot of people that do this, and unfortunately, they did not succeed. Uh, I'm not trying to say that I succeed, but 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 what I'm saying is it, it's really easy to make that the big dream. So for me, what I had to do was say, okay, that's the big idea, but how do I break this down smaller? Well, I have another friend. She's lovely, and she was living in California at the time. And for years, she had said, why don't you come and stay out with me? And uh, she was like, you know, this is this is what you do. And it is. It's a real thing. This is what you do when you go to California. You wind up sleeping on people's couches. She's like, just come on out and you'll figure it out once you're here. And so I thought to myself, you know what? I don't know how to get to the big goal, but that's the little goal. If I can if I can move from Pennsylvania to California, that's a huge step. That's a really big step. That's a that's a that's a scary, scary thing. 
but I can do that. And so in that moment, I was like, yeah, you know what? My love is definitely going to weigh outweigh my fear. I am going to say that's what I'm going to do. And so that was the first thing. And I didn't tell people, like, oh, I'm going to move to California and go be a screenwriter. It was like, I'm just going to go move and see what's there, right? Then I set an even smaller goal, which was just to do a little bit of research and say, like, okay, this is how much money I have in savings. What would that translate to if I was living in California and let's say I couldn't find employment for a while or I had to be a work at a coffee shop or a bookstore or a bar or whatever, you know, if I had like a minimum wage paying job there, how long could I make this last? And so I gave myself a certain amount of time and I built like a budget for that. I did not just come home from China and say, that's it. I'm moving. I'm leaving. That's it. I wound up giving myself several months and I worked as much as I possibly could, banked as much money as I could. And then I wound up saying, like, great, now I'm not just going to you know, fly out there. Then I don't have a car. So then the plan was a smaller one, which was like, OK, you know, what? I think I'm going to drive out there. So now I've got a plan for how much money I wanted to try to save. I've had a, a kind of plan for, OK, I'm going to get out there. I'm going to give myself this amount of time. This amount of money will translate to this amount of time out there. And, and while I'm there, I just have to be open and try to adapt. And then I've said, OK, well, now. I also know I'm going to at least have a vehicle out there. I'm going to drive my car out there. So now I have to make another little plan, which is like, how do I get from point A to point B? So that was an opportunity to say, what are places I haven't seen before that I may want to see? And that was also a really pleasant surprise unrelated to this story. Uh, my father, you know, surprised me. You want a great example of taking risks? Here's a man at the time who was oh, 65-ish probably. At that point, and he said, hey, you know, would you be open to the idea of me driving cross country with you? And I was blown away with that because I never thought that was something he would be interested in. And I said, absolutely, I would love that. And so then that, that made it even more special because then I got to plan a trip knowing somewhere in my head that I'm going to show my father places that I know are beautiful, that there's a real likelihood he would never have seen without me. And so that means I'm going to drive into Savannah, Georgia. I'm going to drive into the Grand Canyon. I'm going to show them Aztec, uh, Mexico. Uh, we're going to stop in Texas. I'm going to show them Vegas. Like all these places that, that, that now have more meaning. And again, that's an achievable little goal. It's where the original scouting job did for our February episode. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Joe Morazzo and I scouting all the locations. We know where to hit. So we now only need eight. Just eight guys. Just eight guys. That's it. He's the Rob. He's the the Carl Reiner. <laughs> My name is Lyman Zerga. Zerga. My name is Lyman Zerga. Anyway. <laughs> so as I said, there we go. We have the big dream, and then we've already started breaking down to all these little goals, and it felt so good. The day that I got to write up my two week notice to give to Regal, it felt <laughs> so good. It was like, you know, that scene in Half-Baked where you just wanted to go in and be like, F you and F you and F you. You didn't. I didn't. I'm a little more professional than that. But it was like that kind of emotional (laughs) validation to say I'm cutting the cord of this place that has drained my soul of my own of my own making. That was my own fault. It was it was an amazing cleansing thing. And it felt good to do it. And it also felt good. Because when I hit that dollar amount that I had set for myself, that felt good. And that made me feel really good also about knowing I, I've achieved this. I've achieved that. 
I, I've already communicated with my friend. She knows I'm coming out and, and we have a certain amount of time here. Like all those little things made me feel really good so that I then started driving out cross country and I had a great road trip. It was wonderful. I don't know, like a week or two or something like that, and just got out there, and then my dad flew back. And uh, it was an awesome time, and, like, nowhere in there did I feel overwhelmed, did I feel anything. The day I took my dad to the airport, and then I went back to my friend's house, that's about the most lonely place I've ever felt in my life. At 27 years old, you want to talk about love or fear, that's a great moment where you're like, I am now homeless. Uh, everything I own has been packed into a couple of suitcases and whatnot and are being either stored uh, in my friend's house under a coffee table or in my car. That's really overwhelming. That's really scary. But it was not devastating because like i said i had already achieved all these little things so i thought you know what all i gotta do is the next step and i have no clue how to become a screenwriter <laughs> uh but what i do know is i need a job because if you can't work and pay your bills and do anything to like to sustain you well i'm not going to be able to achieve the big dream right so i just got to kind of get something and and that was okay because all along this the big dream, we're all, we're, we're, I felt like I was working towards it in these little increments. I'm looking for jobs, anything, every day. And I think it might have even been a job off Craigslist. <laughs> yeah, it might have been. That, that I, uh, I was living in Burbank at that time, crashing on couch. And I wound up going to interview in Santa Clarita, California. Uh, and I did... <laughs> So I go out there and I, I interview for, uh, it was an office job. And it, what it was, was like a startup visual effects company was looking for help. Uh, I mean, it was start, like bare bones startup, ground zero. And they just needed someone to, to run phones and whatever else they needed at that time. And, and I went in, uh, interviewed, it was two, like twin brothers, really great guys. I wound up getting this job. I, I actually, I don't even think I, I, I probably told you this, Shane, but I know I haven't told this in, in recent tellings of the story. I distinctly remember I wore a sports coat. Yeah. And I think it, you know, it, it goes to one, how you wish to present yourself and how you wish to feel when you leave that, leave the home. I, I know for me personally, I don't feel less if I'm wearing jeans over slacks or a sports coat and no tie versus a sports coat and a tie. I feel like I'm just tackling a different obstacle and, and I'm going at something a little differently. And I feel like the choices that I made, there's they're conscious decisions that I'm working through throughout that morning as I'm getting ready for my day that help prepare me that when I do close, you know, turn around, close the door and lock it and head out to, to tackle whatever it is that I'm setting out to do. I've prepared myself in a way that I know walking into that situation, I'm going to feel really good. And hopefully that kind of energy radiates off me and it, attracts the person in the room and attracts that conversation to be a positive one similarly to you know how your conversation would then go with these two brothers exactly i mean it's, it's no different how you interact exactly like you know you're going into an interview or you're how you're holding yourself in just your day-to-day -day life also you never know where that goes you know i'm going to say that i personally brought the vest back to america i've been wearing vests Love the since vest. I was 17 years old so it's you know 
You, yep. you can create a movement. Yeah, Heath Ledger might have brought him too, but I mean, I, I, I spearheaded it. Anyway, and I went and I remember talking with these two guys and the one brother, uh, you know, his passion was more specifically filmmaking. I mean, they were both doing VFX, but he wanted to be a filmmaker. And that's what I was saying. And somehow during the course of this, we just kind of really stopped talking about the job and just started talking about like movies movies we like that kind of stuff and it had nothing to do with them and i totally remember like walking out and was like oh you know it was really great to, to meet you guys and like thank you so much and just walking down it was a flight of steps to get up to them and as i was walking down the flight of steps the one brother like the filming brother like ran out and he's like oh hey like you uh, it just occurred to me like you didn't even ask like how much we we're paying and i was like well I, I you know i figured that if that's something you would want to discuss you would reach out to me and we would discuss accordingly at that point and he was just like Oh, like, yeah, thank you so much. Um, great. And he told me whatever the amount was at the time. And I was like, that's fine. Thank you so much. Like, I really hope so. And I and I remember having a conversation with him later. I did wind up getting this job. This was the company that wound up doing the visual effects for the, uh, I think it was the 2008 reboot of the TV show Knight Rider. If you've seen the 2008 reboot of Knight Rider, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> If you've not seen the 2008 reboot of Knight Rider, there may be a show with my name and a credit somewhere. So we just just accept that it exists, but you don't probably need to watch it. <laughs> Going back for a second, uh, yeah, no, like I, you know, I met this guy, and uh, he, they wound up hiring me. And I, and I remember in a subsequent conversation, like and I'd probably been there for a little bit, like we were more comfortable with each other. And and I don't remember how it, he brought up, but he said like, yeah, you know, when you came in, like. It almost seemed like, like, not in a bad way, like, you were so comfortable, like, you didn't need the job. And, like, just the way you carried yourself and, like, like you wanted to be here. Like, there wasn't, like, it was, you know, that. And, like, I, I just felt good. Like, it was a good energy. You know, there were, like, no, no sense. He didn't say this, but my interpretation was, like, it wasn't, like, the desperate, nervous, like, I really need this gig. It was, like, we were just having a conversation. Like, like real people talking. And I know that part of that was probably because... Like I said, I, I'm sure there was fear, but it was more like I've achieved all these little things along the way. I just got to keep plugging away at it. And I'm sure that that kind of came out of me in some subconscious way. Yeah, I think that it, it all goes back to as you set these like, again, you recognize what you believe you that big goal to be. And I don't want to say you scale backwards and, and you work backwards, but you you sit there and you say, all right, well, what's it going to take? to make that a reality. I know that it's going to require energy in these five areas. And as you learn what those areas are and you learn the, the processes that you're going to take, each time you fulfill one of those, it does propel you to that next one. It does make you feel good. It's just, it, it's that much, it's like another layer of belief in yourself that you're doing the right thing and you're on the right path. And that is, that, I, I mean, that, that, just radiates confidence and, and you know that george clooney swagger which is what i as you're telling the story imagine you two have in that interview room as you're sitting there discussing random movies uh with this second brother and it's all about rewarding yourself and feeling good throughout those processes just as josh has throughout this california story yeah and i mean i think that confidence is uh i mean confidence is king confidence yes. is king in everything and and it's not just a masculine thing a confident woman, at least for me, is a just an awesome thing. Like you exude 
comfort in your own skin. And when that comes out, like that's someone it's electric. You want to talk to that person. You want to see what, the, what are they offering? And I think, um, I, you know, any, any vague inference that you just made that could put me into the same category as George Clooney. Sure. I'll <laughs> fucking take that. No worries. Sure. <laughs> but my point is like, I'm not going to hundred percent deny it and say you're wrong. I'm going to say, yeah, cause it was, it was such a comfort level. Like I said, like in that moment, and there was still fear and there was probably other stuff going on, but in that moment it was like, yeah, okay. I'm, Cause I'm one person talking to another person and it's not like I'm, you know, dying and, and, and it's, and it was really rough. Um, but again, having a support system that I could, you know, knowing I was going back to sleep on a couch, which was an unbelievably comfortable couch, just to be, just to be clear. I think every couch is a little more comfortable when you're feeling good about yourself and chasing the dream. I don't know about that because when you're I would believe the so. dream, when you're chasing the dream in the state where like, Everyone is the most beautiful person you've ever seen because everyone moves to California to be an actor. Uh, so that means like the guy or girl that's serving you coffee is a runway model or the person pumping your gas is probably not the runway model, but is the really good looking friend of the <laughs> runway model that the runway model keeps around to make them look even better. They're still handsome or beautiful, but not quite that level. You know? So when my point is like, when that's what you're surrounded by, I don't care. That couch can't be that comfortable because you're going to meet these people and be like, so uh, how you doing? Let's go back to my couch. And that's just awkward. And they would understand because it might've been a couch that they stayed on before you. Yeah. And I'm not saying I didn't pull that off once, but that's not the point. <laughs> The point is, you still want to be motivated. Anyway, so I got this job, uh, and one of the things I did there, and, and this goes to, you know, that was a risk. I took it. At that time, I was not nearly well-trained enough to do the job that I probably was doing. But I just kept saying yes. Every time my bosses asked me, can you do this or can you do that, I said yes. And then I would leave the room, and I'd, like, call brother Dan and be like, I don't know how Excel works. Can you teach me over the phone? But I kept saying yes. And then I did get the skills and I did, and I did help me. And I, at that job, I was making more money at that time than I ever made in my life up to that moment. You just keep saying yes. And it kept putting me in a better position. So at that time, now I'm, I'm getting a good job, doing well financially, still living on someone's couch. And uh, my friend at the time, very politely and lovely because now i've been there for several months kind of intimated and keeping in mind she had two roommates that it you know was getting a little tight in the house and i was like i understand completely and really and honestly and truly i should have been out of the house even sooner at that point i could have i could look for an apartment i was able to but this goes to that fear thing you know at that point that was a place of comfort and I realized again, I was like, well, you know what? I got a job. Like, I'm just going to look around. Uh, you know, I did this at that point. I had never, you know, I had never lived in a place where I went and found all the, the, the environment and the, and the specifics. Like at that point, I'd always lived with other people, like in a group that I knew and we were all looking together. This was so much more like I'm out on my own. So uh, don't do this at home. Don't do this at home because it's not going to end well. And I don't want to I don't want to read about what happens to you. In, in an article or to watch some kind of god-awful lifetime movie about you. But I went back to Craigslist and uh, looked for roommates for, you know, looking houses looking for roommates. And this goes to that thing about planning. 
but I gave myself a little bit of slack on the rope that I could potentially be hanging myself with and that I only looked for places that had month-to-month leases. And my point in my head was, if I hate it that much, I can always move out. Uh, and so I wound up finding someplace in like Woodland Hills, which was north of Burbank, closer to the studio, uh, living with two women that I had, two random girls that themselves weren't friends. They, they, you know, they were random roommates for themselves. I'd never met. And so I moved in there and uh, we wound up living together for, for a little bit and at that time again I was still working at the studio and whatnot but I, I would come home and I think I knew at that point like something's not right and I couldn't put my finger on it yet but I knew at the end of my day I was really tired I'd come back to that uh, house that we were renting and a couple other people and I watched movies and whatnot and it wasn't a bad life but it was that thing we talked about earlier like inertia like it was just status quo and stagnant and one of the girls was moving out, I think, uh, if my memory serves. And I, I kind of realized, like, you know what? I've been here long enough. And I, I might have been there a few months. But I was like, I, it wasn't a bad place. It wasn't the best of places. Um, but it was like, I, I think I'm going to change. And I felt empowered to do that. Because all along the way here in this story, I did all these little things that kept working out for me. And there were failures, too, to be clear. But my point was that. I could take enough positive energy that I just knew like, okay, I'll figure this out. I'll figure this out. Again, don't do this, people. Don't do this. Because it's not going to work out well for you. But I went back to Craigslist. <laughs> and when I found a month-to-month lease again in Burbank, which is where I wanted to be anyway, because at that point I'd become friendly with so many other people. You know, fed who was like a brother of mine was over in Santa Monica. Like I've, I actually now had a tribe, right? I had people that I could be with. Um, but I went back to Burbank and I met this guy, went on a, a like, just, you know, he was having, a, for lack of better words, like an interview. He came in and sweetest guy you ever met, still a friend of mine, lovely, worked out. His name is Julian, Julian Graham. If you were listening, you're a wonderful human being. Totally loved my time living at your apartment. Uh, it was a great time. Him and his girlfriend, they were just at the time, like, it was such a great situation, but again, yes to opportunity and taking a risk, you know, going, I mean, I was nervous just meeting an, an, a random person, but again, that worked out. So at that point I took, I had taken that other step and then I realized like, okay, I think I'm focusing in now on why I'm unhappy. So I've, I've gotten myself back to a better living place. I'm clo- you know, close to friends and, and loved ones. And I realized, like, you know, all this whole thing, I lost a little bit sight of the dream. And the dream was I wanted to come out and I wanted to write. And I realized, like, I'm not doing that. So that's when I actually started writing again. Because I I had set all these other things up so I had the ability that I could come home. And I, you know, I had all the note cards up on my sliding glass closet door, the, the mirror door, so that I could start, you know, mapping out act structure and plot points and all this stuff that they teach you. Now, during that... And there's other adventures that come into this story, but you know maybe those are stories for another day about ultimately the things that changed that you know led me from one decision to the other in terms of ultimately I did come back from California. But at the time, one of the things that happened was the effects company I was working at um, kind of folded, kind of downsized because that Knight Rider show I mentioned, which I'm sure was emmy award-winning to no one uh they wound up getting canceled and the company had not diversified well enough to be able to to keep us all on so 
now I have no job and I'm living back in Burbank and a friend of mine, again, that I had met there was working at a production facility. Uh, but anyway, so I wound up working over there and that was a hard one. That was a step. That was a beautiful thing. My friend was trying to help me and, and, you know, it was a appreciated, but that was, that hurt because, uh, at that point I was a kind of a, a PA. So you're a day worker and you work a lot of crazy hours. You work until the work's done. Um, they can be really long. You get a flat day rate and it was a lot less money than I was making. I was very appreciative for the opportunity. I was very appreciative to have something and that was helping me keep bills. But, uh, it was it was like a frustrating thing. It was a demoralizing thing. It, it was one of those moments where I had to do a self check in and be like, okay, is this is is this still where I want to be? And at that point, by the way, you know, I'm I'm I've now been out there for a little bit, and I was 29, turning 30, which is another story we can talk about another time. Um, but it's like, you know, what am I getting here? What am I doing? Is this where I want to be at this age? Because you turn to 30. And you have a lot less energy. And suddenly the things you might have been willing to do or the, the hours you might have been willing to work when you were in your 20s, not quite the same. And so, as I said, there's a lot of feelings and, and the weighing of love and fear and all those things. But when I was working at this production facility, there was uh, different offices inside, uh, not all connected to the company, just different offices. And, you know, you'd run around, drop off mail or whatnot. And there's like this one little office. And for whatever reason, there's there's a people that always seem to work in there and i got along with them again we would talk movies and they seemed to enjoy me and, and i certainly enjoyed them they were good people and uh one day i was dropping off mail and i noticed a copy of uh a book by chuck polinick and it's called rant and if you don't know chuck polinick is the guy who wrote fight club i've met him a couple times he's a really really nice guy i saw that book and i talked to the one producer i said oh are you, are you reading that book and he said, yeah, you know, we have the option to it. Have you read it? And he said, of course, which I hadn't. But you say yes. <laughs> and uh, he said, oh, you know, we're thinking about adapting it. And I said, well, that's interesting. And uh, we started talking. And like I said, we just kind of talked that out. And then and then I I don't recall how that happened. But it, somehow, somehow the conversation was had, you know, what if I mocked up a couple pages for you? Now, Again, it's nothing off them. I'm offering to do some free work uh, just to it's a spec script, not a whole script, just a spec couple pages. And yeah, sure. Go ahead. And what you don't want to do, by the way, is this goes back to that other thing I was talking about earlier about going back to writing. Like you always want to make sure you have content. You always want to make sure you have things that you can deliver. So what you don't want to do, whether this be in this case or in just your regular professional life. You know, if someone shows an interest in you, what you don't want to do is be like, great, okay, yeah. If they say, can you give me your resume or your CV? You don't say like, I'll go home and start typing one right now. No, you have to be prepared. You got to be a little ready. And so knowing that this was the situation, I went out, I think that day, got a copy of the book, started reading it. Chuck Polinick is an especially nice man in my in my meetings with him. This was a difficult book to read. Uh, it's a book that involves rabies and incest and time travel and uh it's a post uh, post-apocalypse dystopian future there's so many things going on in this book but i knew i had to get to it really quickly uh and, and create something and so i called my buddy in china to connect that back who as i said was we'd gone to school together and said 
I am going to rip through and try to put 30 pages together, 25, 30 pages. Would you be open to reading them and, and giving me feedback? I'm going to need help here because I got to do this really quickly. And he said, yeah. And so in a really small amount of time, I started hammering out drafts and we would go back and forth and, and he would read them and give me notes or thoughts. And I kind of put this thing together, which wasn't fully planned or formed. It was just like, okay, this could be an opening to something. And so I gave it to them. They read over it and that was that. And then somewhere in this equation, and this is, there's more to this story, which maybe one day, you know, if you guys want to hear about, or Shane, if it ties to something else, we certainly can talk about, but it, it's about listening to the signs and seeing things. And uh, I was in a place that I realized it was time to go back to Pennsylvania. It was time. At that point, I had gotten rid of my apartment. I had downsized. I was back to sleeping on couches. I was bouncing between, I was living in San Diego, Santa Monica, and, and Burbank different on different days of the week. And, and uh, it was like, this is not where I want to be. And so on the days that I decide now I am packing up, I'm selling my car, I'm flying home, I've done all this. And, I, and, and in this process, by the way, just as a quick thing, you know, this was the big check-in, which was to say, am I okay with this plan? And I was because I had achieved so many things along the way that I still felt good with it. And the plan now, the new plan was, I'm going to go back to Pennsylvania. I'm going to try to save up some money, get a bank together, and then fly back out. And we'll try this again. And I felt encouraged and I felt empowered to do all that. And no sooner than I do I make these decisions, that that's when the production company tells me they're really interested. And what would it take for me to continue to write this screenplay? And they'll pay me to do it. And I'm like, oh, great. Say yes to the opportunity. Say yes to risk. So I sold them on this idea that my buddy, who was not technically at the time my writing partner, but I said, I got a writing partner. And my hope was he would agree to do it. And I said, and he lives in China. And I live in America. And I would be interested in doing this. And I'm going to go to Pennsylvania. And if that's something you guys want to do, I can telecommute and get you pages. And we can work this out. And we'll have a contract and the whole nine yards, which we did. And they said, well, how does that work? Well, what you're getting is a 24-hour writing machine. You know, I'm going to write all during the day. And then at night, I send that out to my writing partner in China, who's 12 hours in a different time zone. I go to bed. He spends his 12 hours reading, writing, reviewing, sending new pages. And we do this back and forth. And then we'll hit all our deadlines. And they said, yeah, that makes sense. Then I had to call my buddy and tell him, well, this was a good idea. And what was I getting him into? But the point is, I came back to Pennsylvania. And I had totally achieved everything that I wanted to all along the way with, with plenty of failures and setbacks. This is not a perfect story. And I don't want anyone listening to think it was. But every one of those little changes or setbacks always connected me back to the bigger goal and made me make sure I was keeping the eye on the prize and taking a step towards that goal. And then when I had to reevaluate and change my goal, I had to check in and say, am I okay with that? And being okay with that and all of these steps. And they did. And that, and I was good with that. And I think that like throughout this story, one of the reasons I love this story so much, and I, I've heard it a, a handful of times from Josh is because it does reflect every sense of the process of setting a goal and achieving a goal because there are plenty of failures along the way there are plenty of times to reassess there are plenty of times where you pivot and you 
do things a little bit differently and you get maybe a little something extra that you weren't necessarily anticipating. In Josh's cases here, he builds, you know, additional friendships and relationships. Um, you know, he gets the opportunity to, to live and work in, in numerous different areas in California. Maybe not all things you immediately banked on when you thought of that big goal. That to me is this whole story to me is is one where that encompasses all things positive and trying about a goal. And when I can sit there and and relate that to my own stories and my own goals, whether those goals be on smaller scales, whether they be on larger scales, uh, whether they be involved with my own creativity, whether it's relationship, work, uh, educationally, whatever those goals may be, I can refer back to a story that, that I've heard and told to me with such conviction and passion because I know that's what he put into it. And I think that when hopefully you all listen to these episodes and this episode in particular, that's a similar thing that, that will hit home for you. But that to me is a really powerful story and one that, like I said, I've always been grateful to hear and, and, and know. Thanks Shane. Like that's really, that's really validating to hear that. And that feels really good. And I appreciate that. And if someone can hear, you know, the story and, and I want to recognize, too, that, you know, I'm extremely lucky in every part of that story. And I'm extremely privileged um, because I created friendships and, and forged connections with people that were willing to help me and wanted to help me. And so, again, I recognize that, like, none of this was something that I did alone. I did it in a community. And that's what helped. So after we wrote the script, my buddy and I, and after we presented to the production company, we were three drafts. Then it was out to Chuck Palahniuk, right? And at this point now, I'm living back in Pennsylvania. Uh, I was living in Philadelphia. I bought a house. Uh, and so that's where I was at. And this one day, uh, I find out that Chuck Polinick is actually going to be in the Philadelphia Free Library, and he's doing a signing for his new book. And so I went, and I brought a copy. I brought two copies of the printed-out script. I went there, and a good thing, I don't know if he still does it, you know, Chuck Polinick used to take time before and after events and he really set a lot of, uh, aside a lot of time to sign things for people that wanted to come with books and whatnot and i got there uh and i was in line and i remember that someone working at the library is like oh you can only buy you, you can only get uh chuck to sign something if you buy the book that he's he's doing today that you have to get that book and i said well i'll buy the book i'm happy to do that but i'd like him to sign something else if that's okay and they said no the, you know, he won't do that. And I said, well, can you do me a favor? Um, if you like, tell him that something, someone's going to be coming up in line and I have these two things and I'm happy to buy two copies of the book if he'd like. And I'm the screenwriter that just got, that had been hired to adapt his work and I would really like him to just sign a copy of the script. So when I got up to line, he said hello and blah, blah, blah. And he had a copy of the script and, and I still have mine. I gave the other one to Prez. And he was like, you know, I just got this. I haven't had a chance to read it. And I said, no, that's absolutely fine. Like, that's great. And and I said, I just, you know, I just wanted to get a copy signed for myself. And so he signed the presents. And I said, you know, you you don't remember me. This is the point of the cherry on top of this story about where you don't know where things are going, right? And he said, okay. And I said, but, you know, we've, we've met several times. I said, I met you at a writer's conference. And he's like, okay. And I said, you know, you gave a really great keynote speech at that lunch. And you and at that point, he, he Fight Club had come out and uh, he was on his fourth book. So, I mean, he was of a certain claim and fame. I said, you gave a really great speech and you ended it with something along the lines of saying, well, like, you know, I know that in this room, there's so much talent that 
one day I'm going to be reading something that you guys wrote. And I said, so really, you're signing this thing, but really, you were right. And you, your prophecy is absolutely correct. I have now written something that, you, you know, based on something you wrote that you are now going to be reading. And so you were like, absolutely right. Thank you for that. And he just looked at me and he was just like, wow, that's awesome. And it was like a really great kind of moment where, like I said, all these things lined up, all the things. If I hadn't have gone this, I wouldn't have got to say that. I wouldn't have gotten that validation. He wouldn't have felt that way. So there was like all these great moments. Just say yes. Just say yes. Uh, as uh, as Tasha and, and Federico have, have now taught Josh and Josh has taught me and I'm going to continue to say it to you and none of us are going to live up to, to Federico or, or Tasha, but we're all nope. going to try. Yep. Um, <laughs> and that's, that's the important takeaway from that is again, so, sometimes look, not, not ever. This is in, in many ways, a, a imperfectly perfect or perfectly imperfect. I don't, I don't know how they how you want to spin it, but story um, of goals and, and what can kind of come from that. And, Again, I think, and one of the coolest parts about that story to me is not even the things that happened for Josh, but so often we put celebrities and or famous people on these pedestals, and we forget that they're people too. And you know, maybe he was contractually obligated, Chuck Palahniuk, this is to, to speak at that luncheon that that you were at, Josh. Um, but the point is, he was there and he spoke, and his words, you know, meant something to you in that moment, and you were able to return that thing to him. And as you had mentioned, you know, it, it was that prophecy that like you said this and I was able to make it happen. And you were able to give another person a point of validation for his own story. And I think that's super special. And you just never know what when you follow those goals and and, and paths and, and you do those check ins, what it may lead to. And it may the positives may go beyond that of just yourself. Um, and in that case, for Josh, the, the many relationships uh, made throughout that time and that story and, and for a, a, an author who, by the way, um, highly recommend both of us do at this point. Moral of this whole thing is um, you, you never know what other things, what other added little bonuses and cherries on top, as Josh had mentioned, you may get from simply just having the courage and the, the, the will to continue on uh, those paths to, to succeeding in those goals. And you know, you succeed to, get, to wrap that all together. We succeed because it's it's the journey. Yep. And it's all about, okay, you know where you want to try to get to. You've set that goal, you know, set the achievable goal, set all the little tiny steps to get from A to B. And that way, when you take a step back, when your friend tells you, I think it's time to move off of my couch, not a problem. When you're facing the fear, you have all the little successes to help you try to, to feel like, yeah, okay, I can handle this too. And it just keeps you being empowered. Exactly. All along the way, you, you build up that necessary uh, self-confidence and self-assurance that, you know what, this didn't work out at this point of this journey in this story. But all the things that have come before, it tells me I can get through this one just as I got through the others. I think that sums that up pretty well. So uh, what do you think, Shane? Yeah, I think that uh, we're going to take this back and to make it all make sense now, we're going to bring it back to George Clooney and Brad Pitt in Ocean's Eleven. What? I need a reason. I don't say money. 
Why do this? Why not do it? Because yesterday I walked out of the joint after losing four years of my life and your cold decking teen beat cover boys. Because the house always wins. Play long enough, you never change the stakes. The house takes you. Unless, when that perfect hand comes along, you bet big, and then you take the house. I've been practicing this speech. A little bit. Did I rush it? It felt like I rushed it. No, it's good. I liked it. Team B thing was harsh. I wonder what Ruben will say. This has been another episode of the Gentleman Podcast brought to you by your hosts, Shane and Josh. If you've enjoyed tonight's show, we will have additional shows on the 1st and 15th of every month. We also have written content on our blog at www.thegentlemanpodcast.blog. Please be sure to rate and review if you've enjoyed this content, and also share. Share with your friends, share with your family, share with your coworkers, share with strangers on the street. We are your gentlemen, and we thank you for listening.